Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 12. We're going to be reading from verses 13 towards 21. And our theme for 2013 is no regrets. As we think about that theme, a lot of ideas come into our minds. On the one hand, there's this motivational thought that many people who are achievers gravitate towards. And it says this, it says, experience all of life that you can. It says things such as reach for the stars or accomplish your dreams or be all that you can be. And it says that if you live like that, you will have no regrets. There's a country song out that was out a few years ago by a guy named Tim McGraw. And I remember that song because I was taking a graduate course at the time, and it was on death and dying. A chaplain from hospice, he had his doctorate, he came in and he began to teach a portion of this class. And he says, I'd like to share something with you. And he pulls out a video, and it's pictures of his family. And you know... As he begins to go through the pictures of his family, it's his wife, and she's a beautiful lady, and his children, and and lovely family, and they're at the beach, and different times throughout their lives, and and in the background is this song by Tim McGraw, and then the next picture that they bring to is his wife with no hair as a cancer patient in the hospital bed, and it's one of those things that just touches your heart, and so this song that Tim McGraw sings is about a guy who found out in his 40s, he had a terminal illness. And as part of the song goes, they ask him, what does he do? This song, the gentleman says, after he asked him this question, the course of it, the first few lines kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. He said, the guy says, well, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I think there's a lot of people who, when they think about life, they think that those things are important. Can I be honest with you? At the end of this life, not in eternity, I'm not talking about eternity yet, we'll talk about that in a few moments, but at the end of this life, when you come to the end of this life, there's not a lot of people, I don't think, who are going to say, doggone, I wish I would have gone skydiving. I don't think at the end of this life that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be disappointed because they went 2.7 seconds or 8.0 seconds on a bull. I don't think those things are really going to matter. You see, many of the goals and the dreams that we pursue in life will mean nothing to you. Please listen. Many of the goals and dreams, the things that are so important right now, will mean nothing to you at the end of this life. not talking about eternity. At the end of this life. Will it matter that you were just the district manager and not the regional manager at the end of this life? No. You'll probably wish you weren't even the stinking district manager. You wish you'd left that headache to somebody else. Will it matter that you built your business And you have 15 employees instead of 10 employees. I don't think too many people will be sitting on their deathbed saying, Oh man, if I could have just hired two more people. Will it matter that you own 10 rental homes instead of just one? No. Because at the end of the game, everything we have not used is left 
and forfeited to someone else anyhow. At the end of the game, it all resets to zero. And I don't mean this to be disrespectful, and please please don't misunderstand us. But the convalescent homes are filled with men who at one time were great. They were a great athlete. They were strong, and they were fast, and they were powerful. Perhaps they were a successful inventor. Maybe they were well-educated, or maybe the woman was a woman who would turn heads when she walked down the street, or a gentleman who was handsome and all and popular with the ladies. But now, they need someone to take them by the hand and lead them to the toilet. All of those things that at one time he was a great fighter, at one time he was a great athlete, or he was a state champion of this or that, and now someone has to hold their hand and take them to the bathroom. Does it really matter then if you were number two in the state or number three in the state? Many of the things that we view as signs of success will be of no value. Listen, it'll be of no value at the end of this life. Listen to the parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Listen to Jesus' words. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Look to the person next to you and say, you will never regret being rich towards God. I want you to hear something. You are never, ever going to regret the choice of being rich towards God. Father God, we pray that as we've read your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts so that we could hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say. I pray that it would not be my words and that my words would fall to the ground, but what you want to speak to your people today. You know where they're at and you know what their needs are. And I pray that you'd speak concisely and clearly to them so that they can hear and understand what the Spirit would say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus tells a parable. And he says, there was a certain rich man, a man who had what many would say is great success. Now, let me tell you a little about this man. This man was a wealthy landowner. He was not your ordinary farmer. He wasn't the average guy who's out there working his fields. He would have been a wealthy landowner. He would have had other people who worked for him. And he 
had success. According to the standards of this world, he had great success. He had so much success and his properties were so productive that he has a problem. The problem is after paying his bills, after paying his employees, after taking care of those responsibilities that he has, he has a profit that is so big that he does not have room enough for it. So he comes up with a plan. He doesn't just say, I'm going to build another barn. He says, I'm going to tear down the barns that I have. I'm going to tear down all the storage places that I have, and I'm going to build a big barn. I'm going to build a huge barn. And then I'll tell myself, self, you have everything that you need. Take it easy. Be at ease. Enjoy life. Party. Do what you want. Isn't that what many people wish for today? Don't many people dream and think about the easy life? Now, just give you just a quick, to know where I stand. I don't gamble, but on occasion, when Powerball, I don't believe in it, don't do it, never bought one, but when Powerball reaches like 150 million, sometimes I do kind of sit back and dream. Any of you do that? Sit back and I dream. You know, you'll see these guys, they won like, like $300 million or $250 million. And I dream about, obviously, I would build us a new church, but I'd also build a Richie compound. <laughs> I'd buy up a couple farms around, nearby. I'd buy a few farms, and I would build, allow members of my family, we would build them houses. Now, they would not be like right on top of me. You know, we'd have, we're getting a, a good-sized farm. And we would build, I'd build houses on the farm for Terry. Terry's got a house. Mom and dad, we'd build mom and dad a house. And we would have golf carts. Everybody would get their own golf cart. And the garages, like if you're on the golf course community, they'll have garages that are golf cart size garage doors. Everyone would have that in their own. Every house is outfitted with a golf cart. And we'd have like blacktop roads, like trails, from house to house. Now, I'm going to keep them back a little way so they're not right on top of me, but we'd have golf carts in the carts so that they would drive. And it wouldn't be like a straight line. It would be kind of like curvy over and around. And, and so we would all get golf carts, and they could come and visit. And I think about that, and I think, you know, Lord, if, if Lori ever wins, you know, I'm just really, you know, I don't believe in, I don't play it, but if Lori just happens to win, hallelujah. <laughs> She doesn't play either. I'm kidding. But I, you kind of dream about those things. You know, you dream about the things that you would do. And, and you know, we'd have like a, everyone would have pools. People would have pools. And, and we'd have, if you have that, many, that much property, you need someone to go around on a mower and mow it all the time. And that might, oh, you have, think of all these things that you would do. And that's what this guy is doing. He's dreaming. He said, I finally arrived. And so he starts to dream of how easy life is going to be. Now, I want you to notice this. It does not indicate that he shared his wealth with anyone else. It doesn't say that he said, man, I got way too much. I can't, don't have room for it. Maybe I should help the poor. It doesn't say that. Maybe I should give to God's work. It doesn't say that. Maybe since I'm doing so well, maybe I should share some more with my employees. They would probably 
if I don't have room enough to contain all of this profit, maybe my employees might have some room to contain some profit. It doesn't say anything about it. It just says that I'm going to store it up and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy all of it. But God stops the man right in his tracks. And what does God call him? You what? You fool. God stopped in his tracks and he says, you fool. This very night your soul will be required of you. And he asked him a question. Who will get what you've worked so hard for? What I'd like you to think about for a moment is this truth. That no matter how great your success in this life is, at the end of the game, you don't get to take any of it with you. You can have a room full of trophies and medals and ribbons and first place. And you can have a wall full of recognition and certificates and degrees and all of those things. And those things are important. You can have medal after medal, but when you die, you can have pictures of all the places that you've gone and all the things that you've done, all the things you've experienced and, and all of your success. But at the end, none of it goes with you. None. Well, yeah, they can put, they can put your state champion. We were the state champion soccer player. We were the state champion. You can say, well, they're the best ping pong player. They're the best whatever athlete. We were the champion team. You can put those things in your casket with you. But there's nobody going to be seeing them. You know what I'm saying? All of these things that we go after for success, you will not take any of them with you. At the end, they are of no value. So in reality, with that, there's this idea too. What you've not used... So you can't take with you all of the awards. You can't take with you all the trophies. You can put them in your casket, but no one's going to see them. And what you have not used, you forfeit. Have you ever played Uno? Is it Uno when you play Uno? When we play Uno, I like to play it with just two people. And when we play Uno with two people, I like to save my cards. And when we don't do like seven cards. When we do Uno, we do like 45 cards per person. And what I like to do is set them up so that you can do like skip, and it comes back to me. I skip you again. I like to have a whole handful of cards and then say, skip you, skip you, draw two, draw two. It keeps coming back to me. Draw four, draw four, skip you, draw four, and then lay down like 30 cards at a time. The problem with that is when you're playing Uno, if you're not careful and the other person beats you, and you're stuck with 30 draw fours, uh, skip yous, all of those things, you're st- draw twos, you're stuck with them, they're like 50 points apiece. You can lose big time because what's left in your hand counts against you. When you leave this life, what's left in your hand counts against you. Have you ever thought of that? The gifts, the talents, the abilities, 
All of those things that you've not used, your resources, what you've not used, you forfeit to someone else. And that's what Jesus says to this rich man. He says, all of these things, what are they going to do for you now? Who are you going to leave? You don't get to take them. They are forfeited to someone else. So in reality, you all end up in the same boat. Whether you're a rich man or a billionaire or you have just enough to pay your electric bill and and put food on your table, you all end up with nothing. Well, that's like a real bummer. Why am I saving my money? Why am I preparing for retirement, you say? Jesus says that this is how it's going to be for those who store up things for themselves but are not rich towards God. If you're not rich towards God, according to Scripture, you're going to be a fool. I want you to think of the convalescent home. Now, there's another song that some, I forget who knew what it was. It's another genre of music. Uh, Glory Days. Talking to, hey, I got those 1980-something high school graduates. Bruce Springsteen. Okay, so those 80s people kind of got the idea. The glory days, they'll pass you by. Thinking back upon how great it was back then, but the reality of it is, is like I say, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you go to the convalescent home, here's little so-and-so, and he was the champion of whatever, and you're like, oh, that's nice. But he can't take care of himself now. The reality of it is, is this. We're not taking any, I'm not saying that they're not a value. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm not taking anything with me out of this life. Anything that I have left over is really a debt to me. Because I am going to stand before God. And he's going to say this. What did you do with what I gave you? This man, he stored it up. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to accomplish my dreams and my goals. And he says, that this man's a fool. But the person who is rich towards God is someone who is wise. What does it mean to be rich towards God? It means to acknowledge God gratefully and to acknowledge that everything that's good in my life comes from God. And then to make an effort to use whatever God entrusts me with for the good of others and for the glory of God. The blessings of this life, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your times, your wealth can be enjoyed and employed at the same time if our purpose is to honor God. To be rich towards God means a spiritual enrichment. It's not just personal enjoyment. How hard it's going to be when people have been rich in this world, but poor in the next. Do you ever notice that there's someone, maybe you know some people like this, who grew up in a home where they didn't have much. They had experience in their life. Maybe when they were a child, they didn't have a lot. And when they get something, and later on in life they get something, and they're blessed and they're provided for, they oftentimes really appreciate that. And if a difficult time comes, they're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Because I knew what it was like back then, and and it was, you know, I made it through that. 
But you have someone who's always had an abundance. And you let them go through a period of time where they don't have quite as much. They can't handle it. It's so much easier to have not had too much and then have a time where, okay, well, it's a little tight right now, than to have always had an abundance and always had it easy and to go through a tough time. What you will never regret is choosing to be rich towards God. You'll never regret, when we talk about no regrets, you will never regret choosing and making a determination that I'm going to be rich towards God. Well, how do I become rich towards God? By investing our lives in things that will last long after we're gone. If it's just for a trophy, if it's just for a certificate, well, that's nice, but it's, it's gone. If it's just so that I have this title at the company, well, eventually someone's going to come along and is going to replace me. And I'm going to be a forgotten memory. There's a bumper sticker that says that the person who dies with the most toys wins. That's not true because he's dead, right? But it's also not true because the person who dies with the most toys has often squandered them. They will do him no good. Think of the person who dies with billion, even billions. Imagine a billionaire dying with billions of dollars in his account. What does he do? He forfeits them to someone else. But the man or the woman who has invested what he has been entrusted with He is the one who wins. I want you to think of this. Every act of service that you do for God, there's a record being kept of that. There's a record. In this world, I want you to hear something. In this world, no one may notice you. You may have taught Sunday school. You may have done acts of service, done things for the neighbors, ministered to other people, and nobody noticed you. Nobody recognized you. No one ever had a date on or you. No one ever put up a poster with your picture on it or advertised that you were in town. And yet God keeps a very good record of those things that you've done. And so as you've given yourself in acts of service, every moment that you've invested, every moment that you've invested in the kingdom, it can never be taken from you. There are some people in this room who towards God, a real estate guy told me about Lancaster County. He said, there's tons of millionaires in Lancaster County. He says, but the thing is, you don't know it because they're guys with old work coats and work pants on with patches on them. It's not the showy person. It's people who work every day who no one would know, but they've been good stewards of what they've been entrusted with. There's people in this room who you're very wealthy towards God. There's people in here who you've had a lifetime of investment. Every Sunday afternoon at Tara stays and works with our students. You know what she's doing? She's making an investment that can never be taken away. No one, no one, no rise or fall in the economy, no matter what happens, that can never, ever be taken away. When we serve other people, when we give to other people, when we use our gifts and our talents for the glory of God, 
We're investing in eternal things that will never, ever be able to be taken away. Whenever I was 16 years old, I remember I recommitted my life to the Lord. And about 16, I felt called to ministry. And one of the things I, I, at the moment I realized was this. I want to find a way to get people to pay me to do what I would do for free. I wanted to find a way that I could make the most. I don't really feel like I have a lot that I can offer to God. But I wanted to find a way that I could make the most of my life so that I'd never have a regret. The person who I married, that played into. The person who I chose to marry played into this idea of, God, I want to give my life as service to you. I mean, I love Lori and all those things, but because of the person who she is, I, that made a decision where we live, what we do. And as I look around this room, I see people who you make God's work a priority. And can I tell you that you're rich? There's some of you, you've been working for a long time. There's some of you who you, I'm going to tell you, you've been overlooked. You've not been appreciated. You've not always seen the results that you want to see. But there's going to be a day when you stand before God and he opens up the accounts. And maybe here in this life, you did without. But in that life, you're going to be honored. Why? Because you're rich towards God. You've chosen the things that are eternal. You've chosen the things that cannot be taken away, that cannot be stolen from you. You've given what you've had. You've leveraged your life for the purposes of seeing God's kingdom go forward. And I'll share this with you. You will never regret that. I've never heard anyone. I've been with some people at the end of their life. You don't hear them saying, I wish I'd worked some more at the office. Doggone, I I wish I'd, you know, bought some more. Usually the things that you hear is they, they wish they had more time with their children. They wish they had more time with their wife. They wish they could have done something more for God. The fool. The fool is the person who stores up everything for themselves and dies with it. I got it all. Because they lose it all. They store up their talents, their time. They worry about making themselves happy. They worry about getting a name. They worry about being successful and accomplishing all these things. Only to find it at the end of the life, to be honest with you, at the end of the life, most people don't really care about it unless they're getting something from you. Am I telling you the truth? Unless you're doing something from them, they don't really care about all your accomplishments and all your success. Unless you can do something for them or you give them something or some way benefit them, most people don't really give a rip. They're like, "Eh." you know who does give a rip? The people who you've taken the time to love and pour yourself into. The kids that you coached, the kids that you coached, they care. For the teachers the students who you taught in school and you took the time and you invested in them. For those of you who, who have given your life and, and somehow given of yourself, it's not just the material things that you've given of yourself and to, to other people and poured your life into other people. Those are the ones who at the end of the life are rich. And what they have can't be taken away. So as we close, I just want to encourage you this. Let's, let's make it our determination to be rich towards God. Let's make it our determination that I'm going to use whatever time, talent, abilities, resources that I have, I'm going to leverage them. Larry, 
Can I ask you how old you are? He's asking his wife how old he is. 66. If it's 75, Larry's got nine more. Pop, how old are you? 85. Pop. Here's the thing. I'd like you to think about how old you are and the time that you have left and put it in Easter Sundays or Christmases. What are you going to do with what you got left? If what the Bible says that this life is temporal, it's here for a moment, it's gone. And if the other life is what the Bible says, that it's eternal and it lasts forever, what are you doing with the time that you have left? And I'm not talking about being foolish, but is there a way that we can leverage the eight more years, the ten more years? But if it is eight more years, if it's ten more years, is there a way that I can leverage those ten more years? That's very sobering, isn't it? That's very sobering. Is there a way that I can leverage those 10 more years for that kingdom? If this life is all that there is, and that's cool, then just enjoy it and do whatever you want. But if there's something else, is there a way that I can leverage the time and the energy and the resources and the gifts and the talents? And if I got eight more Christmases, where do I want to invest that time? I want to say a lot of people are going to be looking at their family and seeing what they can do with family. There's a lot of people who are going to be looking at kingdom stuff. And you're going to come to a point where you say, you know what? I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for these things. But I want to invest. I want to invest in something that's going to last and outlive me. And that's the kingdom of God. I want to pray a blessing on you. And I don't mean to be so sober. But I'd like you to look at your life and just see, are you rich towards God? Don't wait until afterwards. Afterwards, you can't do anything about it. Now you still can. Now you can still make decisions that are going to impact eternity. And it's not just for you, but the focus is eternity for other people, their eternity. What can I do to further the kingdom of God? Because that's what's going to last. Everything else is going to be destroyed. But what I do, what I give to people, how I serve people, how I build the kingdom, how we touch other people's lives is going to live on a long time after we're gone. That's what I want our focus to be. We don't want to be rich towards God. God, I thank you for our time together. But I just pray, as we take that sober look and we say, wow, I'm 45, I might have, I've already gone through half of my life. What am I doing? And as we look at our lives and we see the future, I just pray that we would determine that we would be wise people and we would set our lives up in such a way that we are eternity-minded I thank you for the richness towards God that's in this room. I thank you for the priorities that people have chosen and established. And I pray, God, we would continue to be rich towards God, that that's where we would set our hearts, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And God, we know that all these other things will be added unto us as well, according to your word. But if we seek first your kingdom, God, may we do that. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.